Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Get Smart Project. This is episode four. Uh, my name is Paul Gerald, and joining me as always is Jacob Paulson. Hey Paul, good to be back uh, for another episode. Yeah, it's good to be back for another episode. Uh, last week we had a great episode with Shadburner. Today we've got an excellent episode as well, dealing with the unexpected, a topic that we're all very familiar with within the last three months. Um, so before we get too far into it, let's dive in and get smarter. Alright, like I said, today's episode is dealing with the unexpected. Uh, something that everybody has been dealing with for the last three months since March, I guess, really. Um, so, just kind of wanted to talk to you about... You know, what did that look like for you? You, you know, you in particular did a lot of driving, uh, a lot of driving, a lot of traveling beforehand um, and a lot of in-person trainings, uh, whereas I and, and our company, we were mostly in the office, but uh, I did a lot of traveling and meeting with clients and, and film shoots for us. We, we kind of dwindled off on those. So um, let's talk about just kind of the... We've talked about it a little bit in the past on other episodes we've done, but let's talk a little bit about our workflow, how our workflow changed up during this process, and uh, and how we were able to deal with that. Did we do anything different to help us get through that process, or was some measures we had in place already helped out? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love this topic of dealing with the unexpected because you know it happens in so many different ways throughout our lives on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis, there's always something, you know, and you never, you know, the point of it being unexpected is, of course, that you're not expecting it. Um, so certainly, I mean, COVID-19 hitting, I, I thought, you know, was, was a very, it was an interesting experience uh, in, in the beginning. And I remember back in early stage, before it had actually really hit the U.S., uh, with at least the data hadn't caught up. And I, I remember a colleague of mine, we started looking at these maps. Uh, I think John Hopkins Hospital yep. uh, were putting out this tracking map. And I'm, I'm a data guy. I love maps and I love data. Um, and it was you could see the little dot. And we sat there and I thought, yeah, but, you know, maybe it won't be that bad. You know, maybe this won't hit us as, as bad. And then, you know, days go by and you see the dots just kind of populating and they sort of started narrowing into the Midwest from each side. And it was just, um, it, it was both fascinating and also obviously scary and frustrating for, for us and everyone else in the world. Um, so I think one thing that we had an advantage of was really that, you know, we were not the first hit, right? So we could see the writing on the wall early enough that we started talking as an organization about you know what are we going to be doing how are we going to figure this out we knew that there was going to be changes we didn't know exactly what that was going to look like but it you know it wasn't that hard to kind of see and say okay well we're probably going to have to shut down some face-to-face -face stuff here so we jumped in pretty quickly uh and just said let's try and get more people on zoom let's try and test out how we're going to do that we had weekly uh, daily and weekly meetings as a team to talk about the workflow uh, and how to manage clients and how to manage workshops and get prepared. Some on our statewide team just kind of jumped in and they just said, okay, we're just going to do online workshops. So that's just what we're going to do. Others like myself, I said, I'm not going to do any workshops because I need to be available for each individual client that calls me. 
So that was kind of our approach um, to it as a statewide network was really get early in with the practical things to change our daily routines uh, with better tools uh, or new tools, and then kind of divvy up uh, the efforts a little bit differently than, than we had used to. And then, you know, as things unfolded, as the shutdown started happening, um, I think the big change was really just the first couple of weeks. Like we talked about this on, on another podcast, I think uh, the whole like, okay, so we just rushed to Zoom and then we sort of forgot that, hey, you know, remember that phone thing you can just pick up and remember that email that you can still use and texting and all these other things, right? Um, and so we, we kind of got back to that a little bit more. So uh, after a couple of weeks of everything was Zoom uh, for, for a little while. But I, last thought on that is really the, uh, the the upside that we saw was the efficiency in not having to travel. Uh, so certainly that has been more helpful now with saying, listen, I have clients all over Southeast Missouri and some of those are two hours away. And I used to drive two hours to them and then sit down for an hour and then drive two hours back. Well, that's a whole day for one client. Now, you know, it's four or five or six clients in a day because it's Zoom, just check in, talk for 45 minutes to an hour, check out, log into the next one. So there's been some efficiencies there. Yeah, and I, I think a big thing for, for us is, you know, when we talk about Zoom in particular, is that like in Southeast Missouri, technology is always slow to, uh, slow to be taken in. So Zoom, Google Meet, and things like that have been around for years, but, you know, we had always talked about, you know, hey, do we want to teleconference this or do we want to whatever? And we've done several teleconferencing before, but it just like, I didn't want to spend a lot of time, you know, for, you know, what it could have been. It, it, it might end up with some clients, it might have been like a 30 or 45 minute troubleshooting to get them on to Zoom and, and things of that nature. Whereas now with the, the everybody knows how to video conference. It's, it's everybody knows how to use Zoom. You know, there's Google Meet that we, I, I prefer Google Meet um, just because that's what we're paying for, for Google Meet already because of our G Suite access. And so, um, but, but, you know, everybody is accustomed to Zoom. So, and Zoom's a great platform and they're both the exact same pretty much. It's just uh, different logos at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, everybody being able to be proficient at least at uh, a Zoom has been a, a big goal. And, and like you talked about, and, and I'll, I've shared this before, but smart marketing in particular, we we saw the writing on the wall. Like you said, we were watching the John Hopkins the map, and we were seeing it getting updated. And it was getting updated there for a while, getting updated every hour, and then it became too much data for a. Uh, organization as big as John Hopkins, it became too much for them to update on an hourly or every hour basis. And so they went to, you know, they went to a daily update and then it became too much data to track by county or by city. And so they went to a statewide thing for a while. Um, they've since kind of broken that back down again. But um, so we saw it, you know, we saw the writing on the wall. We saw, you know, big companies, big, big tech companies, um, start incentivizing people to work from home and stay at home and then eventually closing down some of their offices altogether. So uh, like I said, in fast smart marketing, we went stay at home early, um, probably 1st of March, I think about two weeks before the governor's stay at home order, 
um, went into effect. And then we ended up um, staying home in in Missouri. It got lifted May 4th. Um, and so we gave it a couple extra weeks um, to, to before we came back into the office full time. Um, we are st- have still been slow to, um, you know, get back into a lot of things. I think at this point, we're at the end of June now. Um, we're, we're definitely back at 100%. We're doing all the filming and, and we're being open and available to clients. Um, but I'm still, you know, I'm still, some clients are like, hey, can we, we have a meeting? And I say, you know, at this point, it's an option. Would you like to do a Zoom or would you like to come in for an in-person? And I'm still getting a lot of Zoom requests and, and things of that nature. So um, it's it's handy, especially for a company like we are when we're a website company. We can do a Zoom meeting. We can show the website. We can walk through. And instead of being in a conference room here or um, being in my office and showing it off on a big TV, which we have all that capability, but... Um, those are just some things that it's nicer to be able to go through and do this stuff. And we were, like I said, we, with the exception of we weren't doing any filming during the, uh, or photos during the, the stay at home order. Um, but, uh, but we were still building websites. We were still doing all the stuff that we do for our clients during that time with the exception of filming. So, um, it was interesting, um, you know, with the, the unexpected part of it. You know, one of the things that, you know, for us was a challenge was my guys have nice computers uh, in the office. And that's always been a reason why we work in the office. And so during the during the stay at home, everybody just took their computers home. Like you just we didn't we didn't go out and buy laptops. We didn't go out and do that stuff. Um, I just wanted the same work experience for those guys. They they needed it at home the same powerful machines that they have at the office. They took home. So. Um, that's kind of how we dealt with it. We just said, Hey, we're, we're going to go stay at home. Um, starting Monday, Friday, Friday afternoon, everybody packed up their stuff. They got done early Friday and we packed up our stuff and we went home uh, and set up our, our home offices. So that's kind of how we did it with, uh, just the workflow things. Um, you know, of, of our guys just being able to go home. I like that. And I think you're, you're touching on sort of the, the practicality of a lot of modern day jobs, certainly not all jobs at all, but still many jobs really have that flexibility built into it. And I think the question in many cases was for sort of professional service jobs, it, it was probably more tied to culture and mindset about how quickly you said, hey, let's just work from home. Uh, you know, where you have organizations that might be a little bit more hesitant uh, due to sort of just cultural things and mindset things and that that's just not how things are done. And so I think this has been a great exercise in seeing, you know, productivity doesn't drop in many cases, it increases once you allow those people that can do their job flexibly uh, to, you know, work from home. Um, if, you know, everyone has different sleep schedules and work styles and approaches. And if I think if you really allow people to work at their own peak, so to speak, at their own uh, flow, sometimes you just get so much more out of them. I know my productivity has been very, very good, which I was sort of worried about because I hadn't had much experience working from home. But uh, So if nothing else, you know, as, as bad as COVID-19 is, it's also one of those things that, you know, we're going to continue seeing unexpected things, uh, whether it's a a virus that hits the world or it's a financial collapse of another reason or it's natural disasters or you know there's going to be constant change moving forward 
and our ability to adapt uh, and adopt technological solutions in particular, I think is, is really critical here, but also finding out, I mean, what is really that we do, what is really important uh, to our jobs. I think that has been uh, obvious to me, at least there are certain things that, you know, we, we I got rid of doing because I realized, oh, why, why was I wasting time on certain little small tasks that just weren't creating value. Um, but yeah, the technology thing has been really fun just because like you said, no one if you if you suggested you know last year hey you want to do a video conferencing uh, meeting people would look at you like what is that and how do i start it oh no 30 minutes setup now you know everyone has it i've certainly liked that well the other thing oh go ahead i was just going to say real fast the other thing that i like is that as a as a country it seems like we've all picked a standard for zoom like zoom is a standard like uh, no, at no time during the during the shutdown was I asked to go to a Goto meeting or a Citrix webinar or anything like that. It seems like everybody kind of landed on Zoom, and uh, I'm super thankful because yeah. I'm I'm going through and I was looking at my computer the other day, um, my iMac, and and I have Citrix on there, I have Goto meeting on there, and I had Zoom on there. Um, and before COVID, everybody was wanting to do, you know, you had different webinars for different things, but it was just Zoom the whole, it's been Zoom for the last four months. And I'm very thankful I mean, for that. It's even changed our language, right? You know, it's like Google. We don't say you search for anything. You say you Google it, Xerox, yeah. right? You don't copy paper, you Xerox paper. I mean, all those the historical right. uh, cases there. And I'm really kind of curious to see exactly what you're talking about is, you know, the next couple of years. What are the you know marketing researchers gonna find out about? Why why was Zoom the one that just took off? Because absolutely, I mean, I've used all of the other ones, uh, GoToMeeting and, and Google Hangouts, and all of the other ones I've used in the past too. But yeah, Zoom was just the thing. I think it just had that domino effect somehow. But it'll be interesting to find out, like, if anyone can pinpoint sort of the the domino effect. Uh, where did it start? And was there a reason why they had the the uh, sort of the leverage there, so to speak. Um, let yep. me ask you this. This is kind of something that I've noticed is, you know, we have this big change in the world uh, that affects everyone. But then on a day-to-day -day basis, we also had a lot of change. Uh, it may have been smaller unexpected changes, but for us in particular, working with the PPP program and the IDLE program, for example, you know, just it was daily, hourly sometimes um, when we were updated and the rules had changed and it was you know, <laughs> somewhat unexpected. Well, it wasn't. At, at, at some point, it stops being unexpected because you're like, well, this is probably going to change again. Um, and I thought that was really, that helped me understand something that I don't, I think you can only appreciate when the world really changes fast is that all the little pieces are going to keep moving and they're going to keep spinning. Um, and if you're going to try and stay on top of it uh, every minute, you're going to go crazy, essentially. I mean, and I did for a while that I thought I was going crazy because I would literally have sent out 20 emails to clients saying, hey, just got this update. Make sure you understand that the rules just changed. And then two hours later, I would get this new update and I'd be like, oh, well, that email is now pointless. And I wasted an hour trying to put that email together. And send it right. Out. So. You know, that principle that we learned from kids is, uh, as a kid is, you know, sometimes you got to sleep on it 
And I really have taken that to heart uh, in, in really in the last several years in many cases, but especially right now, it's like, okay, I know it's important to get information out there in a timely manner, but sometimes we can also evaluate the information we're getting and saying, is this going to stay this way or is it going to change in the next you know, short period of time? What do we do? Sleep on it. I think sometimes you got to sleep on it. So I'm kind of curious, did you guys have any situations like that where you just felt like, why did we just you know, waste a whole day or, or half a day or something on something that just changed? Yeah, we, uh, you know, that it didn't really affect us that much. You know, we have spent uh, several times during this process learning how to better onboard our clients. Um, and so there are things that we did six months ago. Um, and then we've, you know, we spent a lot of time on those, um, getting those systems perfected. And then now we, we don't use utilize those in particular. So uh, I would say, you know, we don't deal a lot with, um, like you're talking about in particular PPP and the idle programs, you're absolutely right. Those things were changing on an hourly basis as the legislation was going through, as it got approved. And then even after it got approved for the loan amounts, people were going out and they were applying for and getting their money. The rules for repayment and loan forgiveness and all that stuff was changing as well. So we don't deal with anything necessarily that fluid. Um, our stuff more ends up being, what does the customer want? So we're we're always about with the customer. So um, we didn't have to deal with a lot of changing this of that way. Um, I would say the the biggest thing for us is just you know being there for our clients and what they want to change. So. In particular, we had a lot of, everybody saw everybody's COVID-19 statement. Every business in the world put out a COVID-19 statement, you know, two or three times during this whole process of, okay, this is what we're doing. This is how we're, this is how we're continuing to serve you. Whether it be a restaurant, this is what we're doing curbside. We're doing whatever. If you're a, you know, insurance or real estate guy, you're, you know, you're still doing these things and we're still meeting with clients. We're taking precautions in this way. So when we we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 websites, and when people want to put out their COVID-19 statements, that's what our, you know, that's where our flexibility was at, is, is going out there and making changes to their website very quickly with when, we go, when we would get the statements. And we were even proactive about, hey, reaching out to most of our clients of like, Hey, do you want to put your COVID-19, do you have a COVID-19 statement? This is something that you could put out. We give them templates. Um, so we helped out a lot in that area, uh, as well as people, you know, as the, the situation was fluid, they were changing their, their practices and procedures. So a lot of places were doing, um, lobby was still open, but appointment only. Uh, and then it became no appointments and no lobby visits and only Zoom calls. And, and so that's, that's, that's really where we became fluid and, and changing is just working with our clients to make sure that they were getting their messaging out there in a timely um, fashion. So I, I really like that the kind of getting ahead of the, a little bit ahead of the game when you see something happening what are the practical things you can do that have a high probability of being relevant uh, in, in the coming days and weeks? Um, I think that's something that, you know, it's obviously not easy because, you know, you can put out a fire that's in front of you, which is sometimes what you have to do, but then trying to look uh, ahead of that fire and say, well, 
you know, can we kind of tame the next few fires a little bit before they hit us by just being, you know, proactive is the word we've been, we've been told, to, uh, you know, that's been proactive stuff, but it can be challenging too, right, to figure out, I mean, is it a coast statement or is it a, is it something else? But I, I kind of think of those things as in, is it going to be helpful regardless of what sort of changes might happen? If it's going to be helpful, no matter what, just do it, just get it done. Uh, and I think that sometimes is, is helpful just to get in that mindset of, it's not because you have to, it's because it would be good no, no matter what. So. I kind of want to get to something that's a little kind of building on this and, and it's a little bit of a different direction. Um, and it leads to, I think before the, we, we started recording, uh, you know, we always give a recommendation at the end. And, you know, I think today the recommendation I would give is uh, reading an author called Nassim Taleb. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. A really fascinating guy. And he's written a number of books, uh, The Black Swan, uh, it's not the movie, uh, it's, it's a book. Um, it, he got a lot of attention after the 2007-8 uh, financial crisis uh, because his book sort of indirectly predicted that in, in a way. Uh, and then he has anti-fragile, anti-fragile, and fooled by randomness and skin in the game and some other really good books. But one of the things that he has consistently pointed out in several of these books and in a lot of his other content is really the mistake we make is when something bad happens afterwards, what do we do? Well, we prevent that exact same disaster from happening. So, you know, an obvious example is, you know, if you live in an area that gets flooded and last flood was 10 feet tall, well, you build a wall that's, you know, 11 feet. Okay. Because, oh, well, lo and behold, surely it won't go that bad again. Well, and then the next flood is, you know, 12 or 13 feet tall. And I think having that as a mindset that, you know, sometimes when something bad happens, don't just try to fix that same problem from happening. Try to think of what else, what additional stuff could you prevent uh, that might be directly related or indirectly related. Uh, and it's not, you know, it's not to get uh, paranoid, I guess, or, or get so super cautious that you try to prevent anything from, uh, from happening, but just getting in the mindset of, you know, the past doesn't always predict the future. So let's try to understand some of the more practical things that we can actually do to, to kind of eliminate or avoid, or at least lower the risk from some potential issues. That's been on my mind a lot, uh, especially during these times, and, but also just in general, I think that mindset helps. Yeah, I think, you know, predicting the unpredictable is, is you know, obviously would be great if we could do this, you know, to figure out what's going to be next. You talk about flood, you, you talk about, you know, in 2017, um, you know, my business partner, his, his family's business, um, you know, the record was 19 feet. And so he built at 21 feet is where he built the lower level of his building. And then in 2017, the flood happened and the river stage got to 37 feet. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you, you can't predict the unpredictable. But what you can do is you can be flexible. You know, as soon as it happened, he started gearing up for reopening. And five weeks later, he had restored 60%. And eight weeks later, he was back at 100%. So it's just one of those things of being flexible. We talk about this with our clients um, during this, this COVID and, and in the last three months of just being flexible, you know, 
companies that weren't you know necessarily suited for takeout um, were buying takeout containers and, and figuring it out. They were doing curbside pickup. They were, you know, you have big companies were doing delivery, you know, because they needed to, you know, not only employ people, but get stuff out to their customers. And then you see other customers, you know, other clients. And, and I look at, in particular, I think the food industry did a really great job during this crisis. Um, most food places did a really great job of of being flexible. You know, we saw places starting to develop family meals and family kits that, you know, either you can cook yourself or you can just build, you know, a family of four will feed on it for $20 or whatever. So things like that were, were awesome to see. And I love to see it. You know, we had a lot of customers come to us like, Hey, we don't have this capability yet on our website or during, through our platform. Can you help us do that? Absolutely, yeah, we can help you do that. So, just being flexible, you know. You know, another place was churches. A lot of churches and nonprofit ministry groups, um, you know, were really hit hard during this time, and so online giving was a huge thing, and then video live streaming was a huge thing during that during that time period. So. Uh, I say, you know, the first three weeks of us were, you know, two weeks before stay at home, um, we were we worker home. Well, that's not entirely true because a lot of the time I was working with a lot of local churches and nonprofit ministry groups to to get them live stream, to get some gear ordered for them, to get it set up for them and, and things of that nature. So um, that, that was just always our our whole thing during this during the during the shutdown and then after the shutdown too is just being flexible of okay now you're opening back up now it's time to be flexible again you don't have to ramp back up it's not it's not going to be back to a hundred percent of what it was beforehand the 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 nature of the world has changed and the way people approach shopping has changed so you know let's just be flexible we you know start putting out hand sanitizer on every corner or or doing whatever, wiping down counters more, you know, um, things like that, I think have really been drilled home for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it has forced us to change a lot. And I think, you know, for better or for worse, you know, change isn't always fun, but once it's there, you, you kind of got to roll with it. And like you say, flexibility is, is really a, a critical skill to have. Um, this is kind of reminding me of, um, of an exercise that uh, is recommended in a lot of project planning uh, and decision-making um, processes. So, you know, when, when you're looking at a typically a bigger project, uh, starting a business or expanding a business or a new product line or, or whatever have you, uh, kind of as you have put together the plan, before you start executing, you do a pre-mortem. Uh, so instead of a post-mortem where, you know, the disaster has already happened and you analyze, you know, what happened, uh, pre-mortem is kind of just looking at the outcome and saying, okay, let's come up with all or as many as possible uh, scenarios of this went wrong, what went wrong, uh, and then start backtracking what could have happened to get to the negative, the bad result, the outcome we didn't want, and just start like, kind of chucking away at saying, do we have weaknesses that we're not thinking about? Uh, does this change our approach to our execution? 
does this help us better understand how to prepare? Not necessarily again to you know prepare for every single eventual problem, but to at least kind of have gone through it. So if something does happen, you mentally feel a little less intimidated. Um, you feel a little bit less like it's brand new because you have had the experience uh, as an exercise. So I like that pre-mortem uh, approach that, that uh, sometimes you can take when you're in that planning phase. Uh, that seems to be, a, I think, a really smart move. And I've tried a couple of times to kind of do some of them, and it has helped with thinking through, especially the technical challenges you might find yourself in. Um, for us, it was switching all our workshops to all of our face-to-face -face workshops, switching all those to an online workshop. I kind of went through, okay, how does it work normally? How is this gonna work uh, virtually? And there were tons of little things that if I hadn't gone through that fairly deep analysis, I think I would have made so many mistakes that were just super obvious once you thought it through. But you know, you really had to think it through in a fair amount of detail. So pre-mortem, kind of a fun exercise too, uh, to help prevent uh, the unexpected sometimes. Yeah, I definitely think this during the last three months, people have been doing a lot of thinking and planning whether it be on their current business or I think a lot of people and the, the feedback and the talk I'm hearing is um, this has created some opportunity for people to really, you know, jump into maybe a project they were wanting to start, but were, you know, they were stuck in their ways or they were, you know, they had a good job and things like that. People are looking at alternative revenue streams for themselves and their families and so I think we're seeing a lot of that too. And I, I'd be interested to see, you know, the the postmortem of the stay at home and the COVID-19 process, whenever we actually go to that, you know, whether that's next year or the end of this year or, or two years from now, whenever we can look back objectively, objectively and, uh, and, and look at the numbers and see, okay, you know, how did, how really, how did businesses really, fair through this process did they did they make it good did they did they increase their market share you know i think companies um we were talking about this on another podcast um with some other people uh, with another podcast that i do um you know i i think that businesses that did it right and did it really well during this time of being flexible and whatever i think that they will have increased their market share because there were businesses that didn't do it right and didn't, you know, weren't flexible, were, you know, dismissive or whatever you want to say, or just had a negative attitude when it comes to things online. And I, I feel, I, I know several businesses that lost my business during this time period um, that, that I won't be going to. Their competitors stepped up and they did a better job during the crisis. And so I'll do my future business with them. And so I'm just curious to see what that looks like, you know, in the in the, the future, in the, in the next couple of years, when we do this postmortem look back at the, the COVID-19 crisis, you know, how many businesses failed, market share, does, did a lot of market share fluctuate? Um, and then also, how many new businesses will be started in 2020? Um, how many new LLCs will be filed? Is that going to be a percentage increase? based on the previous years, just because of people having time to, okay, we're at home, we're staying at home, we're working, we're more efficient doing our work, 
let's start putting some time and energy into this passion project that I've been wanting to spend on the last couple of years. Let's put some time and energy into that and see how that works out for us. And if we can start doing something like that, I talked about you, that critical thinking, that critical planning ahead of like, okay, I want to do this business. What are the roadblocks that I'm going to face during this crisis? But then what's the next crisis? And that's, I think people are, a lot of people are still thinking about that. What's the next thing that's going to drop? Um, for and and disrupt my business absolutely and i think you're spot on you know with there's going to be a lot of interesting entrepreneurial ventures coming out of this and there's a lot of you know in the chaos and the disaster and the sadness of many of the challenges and the, and the businesses that have had to shut down and, and the employees have lost their jobs which is you know frustrating and sad in every way uh it, at the exact same time, you, you're also seeing a lot of opportunity for someone to step up and say, you know what, maybe we can do it differently and maybe we can be successful in a new way. And that's, yeah, that's the evolution of business. You know, businesses come and go, uh, whether you're a small business or a large corporation. I mean, the example that everyone's familiar with, you know, uh, Blockbuster and Toys R Us and Sears and uh, Kodak and the list goes on and on with you know, giants who were massively successful for many years and then the world changed you know the big difference there is their world changed slowly uh, around them and they just didn't i guess recognize it well enough or understood it well enough whereas this slapped us in the face you know within a few weeks and we went what are we gonna do now and that's you know exactly what you're talking about kind of having that foundation to meet crisis meet the unexpected but then adapt adapt and be flexible um and i think the last thing i want to kind of mention there i really like that you know i've noticed this too with there are some businesses that i'm now saying you know what i'm going to support them more because they've really met this uh, situation in a, in a way that i respect and there are others that i have been disappointed in and i thought wow that was not what i thought you, you know, what i thought this business was about and yeah they, they will not see my dollar so to speak so i think that's certainly an interesting element that see play out in different ways yeah ab really absolutely yeah absolutely I, I definitely think and we've talked about it you know you and i personally and then my staff and i have talked about it and it's just you know we're we're back smart marketing and, and our company is back at 100 percent. we're going back out and we're doing things but the environment that we're still in, in, in that we're still facing is still one that's uh, still coming back. It's still coming back online. Like I said, we are uniquely suited to be able to respond and be nimble and quick. A, we have a small team, and B, we work on computers all the time, anyways. So um, you know those things. Everything that it that affects my industry affected the way that we were able to respond. You know, places that are retail stores and things like that. Those are harder to come back from and they're harder to to adjust from so um but yeah i uh i mean this is this is fascinating stuff and something that like i said i think that we'll be continuing to talk about you know you and i personally over the next you know dozen or two episodes is just always going to come back to these same tenets of of being flexible and and trying to plan ahead and, and things like that um so, so I think that's a good place to wrap up for this week. Uh, once again, let's go ahead and, and do your recommendation again. Um, your what your what your recommendation was for for people to, for this week. 
So uh, Nassim Taleb uh, is the author, uh, and a few of his books that, that I really enjoyed were The Black Swan, Anti-Fragile, uh, Fooled by Randomness, and uh, Skin in the Game. I think he has a few other ones out there, but I haven't read those. Uh, he, he's a very insightful person and a little hard to read. Uh, I'll admit that it's not the easiest books to read, at least not for me, but once you kind of get past the technicalities that he sometimes throws at you or the philosophical uh, arguments that he's making, there's a lot of really good insights, uh, not just for you know a situation like this, but just for life uh, and business in general. So, Nassim Taleb. Awesome. So this uh, this week, I'm going to kind of go to a very obvious recommendation. Somebody that uh, you can, for this recommendation, you really can ingest it anywhere at any time and however you want to. So my recommendation for this week is going to be anything and everything done by Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, so Gary Vaynerchuk is an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur. Um, who is very tech and, and media driven. So um, this comes from if you're an entrepreneur and you're wanting to know how to market yourself or your business, uh, Gary is kind of the way to go. Um, there is a, a, a warning. Uh, Gary is a very um, brash speaker. Um, he doesn't he doesn't hold his punches and he doesn't uh, hold his words back. So um, he does have some explicit language on there. Um, but it's not, you know, overly explicit. It is just, you know, he's very direct and to the point. So um, if you're interested, uh, the Daily V, the Gary Vaynerchuk podcast, uh, he's written several, several books, bestsellers. Um, he's on every single social media platform that you can think of, Snapchat, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, and he's also very engaging as well. So if you read something, if you watch something, if you have some question, reach out to him and ask him on, you know, email or, or Twitter or whatever. And he responds to a lot, a lot of public comments. So, um, so Gary Vaynerchuk, that's my recommendation for this week. So, all right. Well, it's been, a, I think that was a great episode. And so I no better place to end it than now. So uh, I guess we'll see you guys next week.